thought of a healthy church. I want our church to be healthy, don't you? Verse 20 says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Let's pray together. Father, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you touch and help the service tonight. Lord, our desire is to have the strongest, most healthy church that we possibly can. And I know that your word has got the answer for how to do that. And so I pray, Lord, that you would touch and help, uh, Father, as we stand tonight to expound the scriptures. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want us to think a little bit tonight on being a healthy church. And I I pointed out to you last Wednesday night that it's not about size or resources. Um, And I got to think about this. I'll just just throw this in. Uh, I was studying a little bit in the book of Revelation this week, Revelation chapter number 3 through 4. Uh, or, or chapters 1 through 4 where uh, John or where Jesus addresses the different churches, those seven different churches there in Asia Minor. He encouraged them to repent. He encouraged them to endure. But i tell you what's interesting. He never encouraged them to grow. Isn't that interesting? And yet growth is the thing that we hold highest in esteem. Uh, as far as church health is concerned. I'm not going to preach that again, but uh, we preached that last week. Now I want us to dive in on what, the nut, what are the nuts and bolts of what make a, makes a healthy church. Now, I'll give you a spoiler alert about everything that I'm going to deal with over the next 10 weeks or so is going to be built on two big pillars. And that is love and worship of the Lord and love and service to others. I believe that's the two major pillars of a uh, healthy church is a church that loves and worship the Lord and a a church that loves and does service for others. And one of those services, and we'll look at it when we get to it, is discipling them and teaching them. I began to think about it this week. A church is to worship. I believe, I believe a healthy church is a worshiping church. A church is to pray. Some of you ladies are going to learn about that. A church is to evangelize. A church should learn. Amen. In these mountains, I'll just take time out right here just a second and say this. In these mountains, learning something is almost a dirty word. The more ignorant the preaching, the better mountain people like it. But I'm going to tell you, you can preach hard and with the Spirit and still say something out of that Bible. Amen. We ought to have a desire to learn about the Word of God. Then there uh, a, uh, a church, a healthy church loves. So I want us to look at this first principle that the Lord has given me to deal with. And that is this. A healthy church loves sinners. 
A healthy church loves sinners. Uh, so that's what I want to deal with tonight. I believe that uh, one of the most important things that we can focus on is the, evangel- uh, the evangelizing of mankind. And the only way that we can do that is for us to become concerned about sinners and love sinners. Amen. Here Jude tells us, look now, uh, there in verse number 20, he said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves. And so this is how you build yourselves up. And then he names uh, four things here. He says, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord, uh, and having compassion, making a difference. Uh, Can I tell you tonight that one of the steps that a church takes when it becomes unhealthy and starts to die is when it turns inward. When it starts worrying more about babysitting saints than it does winning the lost. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. A lot of churches, like Brother Eddie Davis said many years ago in the revival, have become nothing but keepers of aquariums. They're not uh, fishers of men. They're just keepers of aquariums. Uh, Boy, churches, when they turn inward like that, and they only start worrying about the members that are here, and they quit reaching the lost, all of a sudden they begin to die. I believe a healthy church should be reaching their community. Amen. Yesterday we put up some signs along the road and we're going to buy some more and we got some more places to put up some signs and uh, that's not the only thing we can do. We got other ideas about things we can do this summer to try to impact our community. I believe a healthy church uh, doesn't want to stand by and watch its uh, community die and go to hell. We got to love sinners. Now, I want to make a statement right here, and I want you to hear what I'm about to say. If we're going to love sinners, we got to love them where they are. We can't expect them to become like us till they get saved. They walk in here with long hair. They come walk in here with earrings and nose rings and eyebrow rings. They walk in here, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, no no. no no matter how bad the sin is that's displayed, we got to love them where they are. Where they are. And uh, a lot of churches, that's where they get it mixed up. They want to clean the fish before they catch the fish. God didn't call us to clean up the pond. He didn't call us to be the haircut police. I've heard preaching on everything in the world. I'm telling you, embarrassing things that I've heard over the years said from the pulpits. Preachers jump on lost girls about how they're dressed. And I believe in dressing modestly. Say amen. I believe it's in the Bible. But a lost person does lost things. And when a person comes in here without God and is lost... What they should receive is not us looking down our nose and trying to uh, judge them, but rather open arms. So we love them where they are. We love them how they are. There'll be folks that'll come in here that will like the way they do things. And then there'll be folks come in here and make us uncomfortable. I can't think about that without thinking about old Ricky Edwards. Lord bless his soul. He's gone on into eternity now. I hope he was ready. 
but he would come in, and those of you that's here when Rick would come, you know how it was? Rick, he'd do things that made everybody uncomfortable, including me. <laughs> he'd stand up, wave them hands, and y'all remember how it was when Rick would show up. But you know what Rick told tell me out the back door? He'd say, man, I love coming to this church. He said, I, I can feel something. And I said, come on back, Rick. Come on back next Sunday. Come on back next Sunday. And you see, we got to love them not only where they are, but how they are. Might even have some Yankees show up. Amen, Brother Allen, not a Yankee anymore. We call him a, he's a Southerner now. He's been down here enough years to be a Southerner. We have to love them how they are. But let me say this. We don't have to love what they are. You see, where the church world is messed up on loving sinners is they have convinced themselves the way to do it is to not point out anything wrong that they do. They have chosen rather to accept everything that they're doing rather than drawing a line. That's not loving. That's not loving. The other night I was washing my dishes and I turned on an old episode of Dragnet. I love them old radio episodes of Dragnet. I know I'm a nerd, but I love them. Joe Friday and all them, uh, Sergeant Philbeck and all them. I love them old Dragnet shows, radio, the radio kind. And they got old-timey commercials. Well, they had a commercial on there for, I believe it's Continental Cigarettes. And they said uh, they had 27 doctors that had studied patients for 10 months. And uh, them, them continental cigarettes, had not only were they not bad for you, but they had improved their health. Ten months they'd studied, I forget, 500 patients. And they said, continental cigarettes, it's the healthy brand. Can you imagine? And uh, said they looked at noses and sinuses and throats. And there wasn't no harm in them at all. And uh, I was laughing about it, listening to it, laughing about it there in the kitchen. And, uh, but, uh, we laugh about that now, but would it be funny to you if you was, uh, had one of these teenagers in here smoking and went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, I see here you smoke. And said, yes, sir. And they said, oh, well, that's good for you. Keep that up. You'd say, well, that ain't right. That doctor ought to tell them the truth. I ought to tell them that's hurting them. Stop that. That's what we pay a doctor for is tell us the truth. And yet all over this world, we got people involved in sins that are killing them. And this world is accepting and promoting. And the church is accepting and promoting their sins. That's not love. That's detrimental to them. So we got to love them how they are and where they are. But we don't have to love what they are. We ought to want them to come out of that mess. We we ought to want to see them get saved and rise above it. So there is in this line of thinking a love of the sinners. Now I'm going to give you three things. But first I want to ask you a question. I'll make a statement. I'll make a statement, then I'll ask you a question. For me, Brother Marvin, what I'm preaching on right here sometimes is hard. You know what my problem is? My problem is I have such a small tolerance for stupidity. My stupid tolerance is that I just, I can't tolerate it. People do stupid stuff, and it makes me mad. 
Come on now, how about you? Is your tolerance for stupidity pretty low? Mine is. And so it, when you're angry about how they're acting and what they're doing, it's real easy to get angry at them. Now, just think about it. <laughs> you take somebody and you know what they're doing is killing them and you think anybody with any sense could see this, what is wrong with them, they ought to be able to open their eyes. They're, they're, they're destroying their life. They'll come into church, oh, hallelujah, they're going to get it straightened out, sit there stone-faced during the altar call and walk outside. What does it do? It makes me mad. Makes me want to run out there and get a hold of them by the nap of the neck and say, what in the world's the matter with you? But you can't, see. But let's all be honest, that's the knee-jerk reaction every last one of us has, if we'll be honest. So how is it that we overcome that as a church and love the sinner. How can we really, really love the sinner? Well, I'm going to point out three things tonight. Number one, can I say the first step in this is to look in the mirror. <laughs> look in the mirror. You say, well, love the sinner but hate the sin. I tell you what would be even a better start is for you to hate your sin. Oh, I'm good at hating everybody else's sins. Come on now. I'm good at, when I see that LGBTQ mess on the TV, I'm good at hating that. I'm good at hating the drunkard. I'm good at hate, hating, the, hating the drug addicts and all that, uh, the, the sin that they're in. I'm good at hating that sin. But what about my sin? You see, when you see yourself for who you are, you know what Paul said to the church at Galatia when he was talking about the restoring of a brother? He said, consider yourself, lest you also fall into temptation. You know, in another place, he told the church at Corinth, he said, and such were some of you. What you and I must realize is that but for the grace of God go each and every one of us tonight. We, could, we are all hell-deserving sinners. And before we look down our long Baptist noses as anybody else, uh, we should take a long, hard look in the mirror uh, and realize uh, that we're not any better. It's the grace of God that you're not in that mess tonight. It's the grace of God that you're not somewhere drugged out of your mind tonight. It's the grace of God that you're not in a cemetery and your soul in hell. It's the grace of God. You're not a lick better than any of them. Sometimes we get to feeling pretty pious though, don't we? We feel like we've arrived, we've got everything figured out. But I'm going to tell you, but for the grace of God, there's no telling where I'd be tonight. No telling what kind of mess I'd be in tonight. But for the grace of God. And you too. And you too. So it all starts with us looking in the mirror. We see a sinner and we see how they're acting and we want to say, oh, I would never. You would. There's no end of destruction that your flesh is capable of. You could have done any of that stuff. I mean any of that stuff if the situations were different. 
You see a lot of these adults that you see living in sin, not all, but a lot of them were brought up in situations that where the die was cast before they ever got a vote on that thing. Uh, they were brought up to be what they are. Uh, and if you were brought up in that same situation, it's exactly what you would be tonight. They're doing exactly what you would do tonight. Sinners are sinners. They do lost things. It's just the way it is. Uh, and we need to start by looking in the mirror what about me when I start to look down my nose I need to say but that could have been me when I start to try and be the police of everybody's morality I need to say but you know I could have been in that same shape I'm not any better than that person you see you're sitting on a church pew on Wednesday night got a bible in your lap Instead of uh, strung out on drugs somewhere in a trailer park uh, waiting for your next fix. Uh, Everybody in here ought to run a lap tonight and say glory to God. I'm glad Jesus found me, scooped me up, uh, uh, set my feet on a solid rock. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? Because any of us tonight could be in a devil's hell or could be in an awful mess. Uh, But God commendeth his love toward us uh, and that while we were yet sinners... uh, Christ died for us. Let us never forget where we came from. Let us never forget what we're capable of. And when we start to look down our nose at others, let us look at our own nose first. So loving sinners starts with looking in the mirror. Looking in the mirror. I remember first time we ever took the bus over what's now Mad Mama's trailer park to pick up kids. I'll never forget that trip as long as I live. We got the awfulest bunch of kids. I mean demon possessed. Lord help, it's terrible. These kids were, they were advanced terrible. They cut, that first night they cut the seats out of the back of the bus. I mean it's terrible. And uh, two nights in, I don't know, I know Melissa may be the only one left that taught in that Bible school. But two nights in, me and Travis took them back to the trailer park. And when we come back, there was a mutiny afoot. None of the teachers had left. I knew it was bad news when I pulled in the parking lot and all the teachers are still there. And I walked in the church and there they stood. They said, preacher, we're going to be honest with you. If it's like this tomorrow night... We're not coming back. (laughs) I mean, they'd had it. Some of the meanest little snot-nosed brats you'd ever laid eyes on. But you know what? They needed the Lord. Need the Lord. That's all this country needs. That's all this county needs. They just need the Lord. So you ought to look at yourself. So it's a look in the mirror. But then... Not only is there a look in the mirror, but there's some learning from the master. So we can understand, Brother Bobby, how to treat sinners by looking at how Jesus treated sinners. How did he treat them? You know what he did? Number one, he welcomed them. One of the biggest charges against Jesus was that he'd sit down at the table with sinners. That was one of their biggest charges. This man receiveth sinners. 
He was known as the friend to sinners. You know what he did? He welcomed. He welcomed. Boy, our church ought to be the friendliest place in the community. Folks ought to feel well. Now, I don't believe in this mess of trying to make things comfortable because if people don't ever get uncomfortable, they'll never get saved. But they ought to feel welcome. Amen. By everybody. So Jesus, number one, he welcomed them. But then number two, you know what he did? He warned them. Jesus never one time coddled anybody's sin. He never, never allowed it to just pass by. He always called them out. Always. You know, our job at the church is to be welcoming in the foyer. Oh, just so welcoming and loving. Hug on people and appreciate them being here. A visitor ought not be a stranger for long. People ought to go to them. And then they ought to welcome them when they leave. But when they're sitting in the church pew and the preaching's going on, they ought to squirm and twist. Because the Holy Spirit's convicting their heart. That's the ideal church. A church that people are welcoming, but preaching is convicting. That's a healthy church. Learn from the Master. Then I, this is really where I want to take most of my time to deal with here is this last thought. And that is, if we're going to love sinners, we've got to labor for the moment. What do you mean, preacher? I want to ask you a question. Sunday morning, I was two-thirds of the way back when I was given the altar call. I had no idea what was happening behind me. But when I turned around and seen the altar filling up with people getting saved, there's a certain feeling that you get when that's happening that you can't replace, it's, you just want it to happen again is all you know. is You just want it to happen again. You can't, there's nothing else you can do that makes you feel exactly like that feels when people start getting saved. That's a moment that is worth repeating again and again and again. But if we're going to do that, we're going to have to labor for that one moment. Our church ought to be geared toward making that happen. How do you do that? Well, number one, you invest in them. You invest in them. You know, you can always tell where someone's heart is by following where their money goes. Always. Always find out what somebody's heart is by what they spend their money on. Trey likes Bibles and guns. You know how I know? It's what he spends his money on. So we can always tell what we like by what we invest in. And I ask you a question tonight. What's them sinners worth? Todd preached on that just a couple of Sundays ago, the worth of soul. Our church should invest more in sinners than anything else. We got some ideas. Y'all have been gracious in your giving for missions and we want to do more we priced a billboard it's expensive $650 a month that's ridiculous high but 
If God leads us that way, what's it worth to put the Word of God in a place where every citizen in Yancey County is going to see it, the county that we're responsible for, what's it worth to put the Word of God where they can see it? The most powerful thing on the planet, what's that worth? You see, the investment has to be in the sinners. We've got to invest in evangelism. By the way, you say, well, that's just a Bible verse. Yeah, but it's powerful. It's powerful. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in the gospel. There's power. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to make a statement right here. These signs we put up. You can't see our church logo from the road. Well, this one right here, right here, you can if you slow down. Then we put up on 19, you can forget about it. You can't see our church logo. You'd have to stop and walk up to the sign to figure out what church put them up. And that's exactly the way I want it. Because it's not an advertisement for Concord Baptist Church. It's a plea for lost sinners to get saved by the grace of God. If God wants them to come to church here, they'll come to church here. The Bible said that the Lord adds daily such to the church such as should be saved. So if he's going to put them here, he'll put them here. I just want to see them get saved. I want to see a difference made in our community. Amen. Hey, and we've got to invest in them. But I want to say this. We've got to invite them. Wouldn't it be great if a typical Sunday morning at Concord Baptist Church was a house full of sinners and me preaching on salvation every Sunday, I would love to preach an evangelical message every Sunday morning. Preach the lost every Sunday morning. And I'd love for the church to be set and full of sinners every Sunday. That won't happen if we don't invite them. So that's on us. We all know lost people. There's some things stirring and happening right now at Concord Baptist Church. Why would we take some time this week to invite some lost people to the house of God for Sunday morning? Why wouldn't we take that time? If we're really interested in them, we're going to have to go talk to them. If we're really interested in them, we're going to have to go and make an effort. That's how we love sinners. It's one thing to say, I love sinners. Uh, Talk is cheap. What are you going to do about it? Uh, How many have you invited? Uh, How many have you talked to this week? We've got to get serious uh, about being a soul winner and engaging personally. Uh, It's the only way to win a lost and dying world. I'm going to give this, I'm going to be done. We should encourage them. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, as soon as the service starts on Sunday morning, everything about it should be to encourage a sinner to get saved. I tell you, it kills me. People get up and say something stupid or do something stupid in the service and kill it dead on a doornail and sinners sitting on, there on the pew or they have an argument or a fuss of somebody and grieve the spirit. And sinners sitting there needing to get saved. We should make it our object, Brother Billy, to make sure the water is stirred, 
the circumstances are right. We can't save them, but I tell you what we can do. We cannot hinder them. The Spirit is stirring. We ought to live our lives in such a way that we don't grieve the Spirit. If we love sinners, then we ought to make sure the conditions are right in here for them to get saved. I'm telling you, since Easter Sunday morning, the conditions have been pretty good. Wouldn't you like to see another group get saved Sunday? Wouldn't that be a blessing? Y'all believe Jesus loved sinners. Amen. Loved you, didn't he? So to be Christ-like is to what? Love sinners. Love sinners. That's to turn outward, not inward. I'm telling you, I read a book. I've been reading several books in the prep for this. And I read a book on the autopsy of a deceased church. And I don't agree with everything that guy said in that book. I read a lot of books. I don't agree with everything somebody said. But I glean from it. And I read that book. And one thing he said, he, he studied all these different churches that died. I mean, they died. One thing that he said was they lost their concern for sinners. All the money started turning inward. Instead of out. See what I'm saying? We got a community that needs Jesus. I'm gonna make a statement right here. And I believe I believe I'm right. From here to the head of Pensacola. From here to the head of Pensacola. If you want sound doctrinal preaching, I think this is the only station. I believe it's one of the few in the county. You say, I don't know about that preacher. Well, just go around ride the roads, open your eyes, find out what people believe. We're responsible for this whole community. You see what I'm saying? We're responsible. You say, well, that church up the road will win them. That's not what the Bible said. I'm responsible for this community. We are. If there's going to be a gospel witness, it's going to be the Concord Baptist Church. Boy, we ought to take that serious. They centers all up and down this road. All up and down this road. All over this hillside. All up and down Tootie's Creek. People lost and dying and going to hell. You hearing me? That ought to be our number one objective. Number one. See them sinners get saved. Stand our feet tonight. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Lord, would you break our hearts for sinners? Would you stir a love and a burden in our church like never before? A healthy church has got to love sinners. Would you stir up a love for sinners in the hearts of our people? We'll thank you and praise you for everything you do in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some are already moving toward the altar. Preacher, I want to renew my love for sinners.